broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 251. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. And it has been quite the week. It has. It's been snowy here. Very snowy. And I'm tired of snow. Because it's after Christmas, and after Christmas, it's just a huge inconvenience. You know what's worse than snow this year? Now, if, if you're listening to us from anywhere else in the world, and you don't have snow right now, or you don't get snow, it's hard for you to commiserate with us, and we get that. But the worst thing about Utah snow is the fact that people who have lived in Utah their entire life seem to freak out the first time it snows. And they they just lose all common sense, and it's like it's the first time seeing it, and they just forgot how to drive. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Like, this morning, I dropped my kids off at school, and everything's good, and I go up to a stoplight, and I stop. I've got a an F-150, and so I've got it in four-wheel drive because the roads are a nightmare. And I'm stopped at the stoplight. Light changes green. I start to turn. I notice a car coming, you know, from across the way, and as it should, and I was turning right, so no big deal, until I see this idiot in a Subaru go weaving through the intersection. He didn't even slow down. (laughs) Like, there's three inches of snow on the road, dude. You got to at least try. Yeah, I know. Just pretend. Could you just pretend that you have some common sense? So the only thing worse than the snow here in Utah are the other drivers in the snow. It's weird. It it really is. And, you know, like you said, people act like they've never seen it. It's so true because they truly do act like they have never seen snow here. And I can't figure that out. Should we talk about sponsors? We should do that. It's like I I had no way to follow that up. There's nothing, no way I could. So I thought I'd just throw it out there to you because, you know, that's what I do. I'm like the comic relief who keeps things going and provides valuable insight when needed. I appreciate that. Hey, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, Eagle Moss Limited, and 4814 web hosting. Hey, I have a little uh, something I want to share with you guys. And I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. I got word from our friends over at Krypton Radio. They've been looking at their servers and looking at the server logs. Krypton Radio is now going out to every country in the world except North Korea. I guess the only place they don't have listeners. Well, that makes sense because North Korea doesn't have electricity. So. Right. But I, it's like I don't know if I should like do a mic drop or if that's like a challenge accepted kind of thing. No, that's pretty sweet. Congrats, Gene. Well done. I, I It's like I want to personally make it my mission now to beam Krypton Radio and Stolen Droids by extension into North Korea. I, I could I could be down with that. Do you think that Kim Jong-un would approve of us? I don't think he'd approve of us. I don't. I don't think I don't think he'd understand half of the uh, witchcraft we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true, because all we do is talk witchcraft and sorcery here, and it's all blasphemy to him, because... They're talking about electric cars. You mean there are cars you do not have to push with your feet through the floor? Wow. Pulling out the Flintstones car reference for North Korea, that's awesome. Just saying. 
it's it's interesting too that you know when five o'clock comes and that's five o'clock a.m. because they work like from seven a.m. to five a.m. there for the supreme leader uh, when when that end of the day whistle blows it's not actually a whistle it's a pterodactyl that they have a string tied to the tail and well it's better than a dissident who's flogged <laughs> Oh, man, it's the end of shift screaming. I never thought I'd hear it. Never been so glad to hear that sound. (laughs) Oh, it's only five minutes in. How racist can we get? Hey, um... Probably very. So, full disclosure here, it has been one hell of a week for me at work. Um, It's just been a nightmare, actually. And I haven't looked at any headlines until today. I actually haven't been online much. Uh, which is funny because I've been working a whole lot and those that working has taken me online, but I haven't done any of my normal private browsing or, or research that I typically do. You know, I've read a lot of stuff this week and nothing jumped out at me. Is it almost like CES didn't happen last week? You know, I was surprised because even with CES going on, there wasn't a lot coming out of CES. Yeah. It's just, I mean, there was the... "Quote unquote hoverboard booth that got raided. That was kind of cool, but I mean, there just wasn't Panasonic's see through TV. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, there just nothing jumped out at me and said, "Ooh, this is cool. This is the future." I don't know. Tech is kind of underwhelming as of late. That's it. Time to pack up the podcast. It is. It is. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll come back when it's no longer just whelming. When it's when it's overwhelming again, then we'll we'll come back. As it is right now, we're just whelmed. Yes. Um, and now it's the rehash episode. We got a lot of follow up stuff, don't we? Mm-hmm. I, I just noticed that. First up, um, th- remember oh, what was it a year ago? I don't know. All time doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, when the head of the CIA <laughs> got hacked. Some teenagers hacked into the head of the CIA's email. Wasn't that last fall? Last October? November? October, I think it was. It was recent. It was recent, I think. I'm fairly certain. But, you know, it feels like last year. I know. That never gets old. Um, Well, they've... um, Those teenagers are back. And they've now infiltrated a, a bunch of different personal accounts by the Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper. You know, government's making this really big deal, and we'll talk about it in a, in a minute, I'm sure, some more, about backdoors and encry- to encryption and how they don't want everything encrypted because the government needs access. They got to be able to lock down their crap first before they start asking for backdoors. Well, and it's worse because it was his email, his wife's email, and his f- home phone and internet. Like, they take, took full control of everything. Yeah, I mean, they they got everywhere here. This is, this is a big deal. And it's somebody for the Free Palestine Movement. Yeah, okay. So, I, I don't know if I agree with the Free Palestine Movement, but it was kind of hilarious because what they did is they set it to forward every call that normally goes to his home phone instead to go to the Free Palestine mo- Movement. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, look, if you're going to hack someone like the uh, the Director of National Intelligence, at least they have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, that is true. You know, and I don't agree with the Free Palestine thing either, but... 
That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's really pretty funny. And it's pretty frightening as well that these guys are able to get hacked. I mean, we had Hillary Clinton having all these classified emails on a server in her bathroom, I guess it was, bathroom closet. You know, these people are not playing safe with with stuff. They really well, need to lock things down. Well, and... and- Again, I, we've talked about this, right? And it's 2016, so it's a presidential election year. This is going to get brought up ad nauseum. Full disclosure, Zoner's libertarian. I have no clue what I am. I think I'm a socialist libertarian, which I know doesn't make any sense, but that's just me, that baby. That's just how I roll. Anyway. You're just curious. Yeah. <laughs> and confused. Um, but she claimed... And I have to stress that because that is on record. This is what she's claiming. She alleges that she did it so she could have network – she could ensure network security, right? And everyone's like, well, you know, that's a nice claim and whatnot, but that doesn't hold a lot of water. Well, look, I'm sorry, guys. You're proving her point for her. They really kind of are. Yeah. I mean, she could have had the most nefarious reasoning behind it because she wanted to make deals with terrorists or because she wanted to plot the down the downfall of Christianity and she couldn't have those emails on the Pentagon servers. Okay. Whatever. You could make up any reason you want, but un- the unfortunate- And it would probably be true because, I mean, it is a Clinton and she is the devil, so. But, you know, yeah. That's, <laughs> wow. Pull no punches there, Zoner. Tell us how you really feel. No, I'm just just throwing it out there to stir the pot. Let's be honest here. I mean, everyone's kind of proven her point for her. Shortly after it came to light, right, and the investigation started, remember when all those government emails did get leaked? And then shortly after that, we had the Office of Personnel Management. Then we had the head of the CIA's emails get hacked. And now we have the Director of National Intelligence emails get hacked. Look, sorry, uh, suddenly keeping it on a secure server in your bathroom closet doesn't sound like such a dumb idea. I'd like to know who these IT guys are. Well, because they really aren't very good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And here's what I don't get. Okay. These, this was his personal account, right? So Gmail or Hotmail, or let's be honest, an old guy like this, it was AOL. Yeah. Most Um, likely. Most likely it was AOL. Oh, or worse. It was his private home ISP. (laughs) (laughs) Because who uses those, honestly? But And so he's not really in charge of the security there past making his own certain password, right? Yeah. Securing it with his own password, that's hard to guess and all that different stuff. It's not the government's email server that was compromised. It was his personal one. But here's the thing. If you are in the public eye to that degree, if you're a high-priority target or a high-value target, you wouldn't, see, um, you, know, you wouldn't see Katy Perry just walking down the street in you know, south-central Detroit. Is that a place? I, I don't know. I've never been to Detroit. But you know, you, you fi- find the most run-down, scary section of the world. And you wouldn't have someone like a, a pop star walking around just on their own, completely unaccompanied or unprotected, right? They're a high-value target. Yeah. They would have some level of protection. Maybe they wouldn't go there at all. Maybe if they went there, they're in an armored vehicle or at least have a bodyguard detail, right? This is yeah. something people do for physical protection. He, in the world, he is, you know, James Clapper and, like, before him, John Brennan's the head of the CIA. These guys are high-value targets, so people want 
I mean, people want their email information. They want whatever they can get because they can use it against them or maybe there's nuggets of classified information or whatever. Precisely. So why aren't these guys using protection? Yeah. Which, which sounds like, you know, a health class PSA. <laughs> but look, the, the president, President Obama, isn't logging into Yahoo Mail because he's the freaking president. So even his personal emails are protected. And that's how it should be. That's doesn't, how it should be. It doesn't matter who has the office. It's the freaking president. Yeah. Why the, are, I, the IT directors need to be going to these guys and saying, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't. Oh, wow. Of course, the entire point might be moot, as uh, it turns out that even secure mail might be uh, vulnerable, right? Uh, there was that announcement this week that uh, police have stated they can break BlackBerry's encrypted email. Well, it's it's BlackBerry PGP devices, which are not sold by BlackBerry, but resellers like Ghost PGP that customizes the device with the PGP encryption. Now, for those who don't know, PGP stands for pretty good privacy. Obviously, it doesn't stand for really good privacy. Yeah. Because I'd like it to stand for and not so much privacy. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, it could be better. The best you can afford privacy, really. <laughs> Isn't it free? I have no idea. It, it should be. And even then you're getting ripped off. I like to see honesty in acronyms. <laughs> We yeah, thought well, it was pretty good, but really it's not privacy. It's below average privacy. Now, Ghost PGP claims that this is military grade encryption and that they've had it on BlackBerry devices for more than 15 years without a single breach in security. The thing about military grade is that it changes. It used to be that a military grade rifle weighed 50 pounds. Yeah. And could fire one round a minute. Okay, that was military grade. But boy, if they hit you, it was going to hurt. I mean, times change. So maybe, again, security needs to change. All I know is that if this is the BlackBerry protocol we're used to, and it is, it's not their main one, but it's one of them, and they're trying to claim that they are at least still a good security company? Mm, No, not really. Yeah, now, this happened over in the Netherlands. Um, A Dutch law enforcement agency states that they were able to access deleted messages and read encrypted emails on these devices. And, you know, it it was kind of hit and miss. They couldn't get them all. Uh, They were able to decrypt only 279 out of 325 encrypted emails. Only 279. Oh, okay. So not all of them. So I guess it is still pretty good privacy, but... Eh, not 100% privacy. It's, How's that work? I need to math. <laughs> not totally secure privacy. It's about 85%, or about 15% secure, because they cracked 85% of them. It's about 15% secure privacy. So, hey, I don't like those odds. No. no. Not at all. Um, and other security news, because evidently that's all this show is anymore. <laughs> Remember back Isn't in the day that, when we used to talk about exciting tech? Like the Sony hack? Or exciting video games, or exciting movies, or... Well, yes, I, complete, what, I completely ignored what you just said there. <laughs> that's what Generic Geek Podcast is for. Yes. Um, well, Google 
Um, a Google security researcher, specifically Travis Ormandy, has found a set of bugs in Trend Micro's antivirus. Now, if you if you don't know who Trend Micro is, lucky you. But chances are good they're on some device you own, and this yeah, is specifically their antivirus client for Windows. Now, is Tavis Ormandy the dude who found the issues with AVG's web tune-up that we talked about? Was it last week? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, well, a little bit more than a week ago, actually. We probably reported on it last week, but uh, it happened about two weeks ago. So, um, he said that these problems are actually worse than AVG's issues, uh, and that Trend Micro actually installs a password manager with its antivirus, and it automatically launches a quote-unquote feature that allows for, as he points, puts it, arbitrary code execution, meaning that eh, it could run whatever code it wants to. That's awful. Yeah, it is the same dude. And he was not kind to AVG. Um, and if this is worse, yeah, AVG was pretty bad. And if this one's worse, I mean, this is pretty bad. But... Uh, yeah, basically to summarize it, their password manager is so flawed that even if you don't use it, it could allow for malicious code. Even, That's awesome. Even if users never use the service. Yeah, if you never have to use it, but just because it's there, it opens all sorts of problems. So um, I love this because there's an actual email that he sent to uh, Trend Micro. Um and and I'm paraphrasing here because some of it is is code that I don't understand. But uh, in his email, he writes, "This is ridiculous. WTF is this?" And then he he gives a uh, a link to a local host. You were just hiding the global objects and invoking a browser shell, and then calling it a quote secure browser end quote. The fact that you also run with an old version with disable sandbox just adds insult to injury. I don't even know what to say. How could you enable this thing by default on all your customer machines without getting an audit from a competent security consultant them's fighting words you know i love his emails that he sends to these people I, I, he, the ones that he sent to avg were great you know yeah. i don't know if this is a if this is a bug or or oh, i can't remember how he worded it but he ripped him a new one and he's doing the same thing here i i would just read this guy's emails all day long yeah, uh, he and, finishes up by saying, so this means anyone on the Internet can steal all of your passwords completely silently, as well as execute arbitrary code with zero user interaction. I really hope the gravity of this is clear to you, because I am astonished about this. <laughs> Dang, son, someone called the burn unit, because <laughs> they've got incoming. Oh, yeah. yeah I, you know, this, this really makes you wonder, though. We've got issues with AVG. We've got issues with Trend Micro. These are two big names in computer security world. And if they can't be trusted, who can? The thing is, is that I never trust either of them. I don't have either of them installed. I use Microsoft's built-in security advisor, security essentials, or Windows yeah. Defender. Depending on which version of Windows you have, they call it different things. It's never had problems like this. Well, that we know of. Well... Not that he's found. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe he did find them and they fixed them really quickly. But they don't go and install all sorts of crap in your browsers like like these antivirus softwares do. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, 
I'm starting to think really the best security, and I've, I've thought this for years, but it's just been reinforced. The best security is really just uh, not putting yourself in a position where you're going to be getting this type of crap on your system. Or, you know, maybe not installing crappy, cheap antivirus that installs a password manager. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Yeah, just saying. All I know is, yeah, like Zoner said, I could read this guy's emails all day. It's hilarious. Um, and into some other hilarious security fixes. Uh, Apple. Uh, we brought this up. Oh, I don't even remember when we brought this up. It was... It was Pretty quick, actually. It seemed to be get taken care of rather quickly. Um, Apple's gatekeeper security, where it actually can go in and block and fix malicious attacks or attacks using malicious and infected files. Well, the guy who found it in September, uh, Patrick Wardle, um, submitted it to Apple, and Apple very quickly responded and put out a security fix. Awesome. Right? That's how it should be. In theory, yes. Well, Apple didn't actually do that. It turns out they just simply blacklisted the files that he sent. <laughs> so, he went and he used the same files and infected a different file on the computer, and it still worked. He says, quote, it literally took me five minutes to fully bypass it. So, yes, it means the immediate issue is mitigated and cannot be abused anymore. However, the core issue is not fixed. So if anyone finds another app that can be abused, we are back to square one. End quote. That's ridiculous. What is Apple thinking? Now, if, if this is over anyone's head, if they don't quite understand what we mean, it's kind of like saying... Okay, you know what? I, have, I actually have a perfect way to explain this. There was a school district in uh, somewhere in central United States, somewhere in the Midwest. Um, and every year they would put out a survey to the kids leaving elementary school, entering middle school, right? Uh, trying to get an idea of, you know, uh, how many are coming from broken homes, how many of them know what dating is, how many of them date now, and how many of them are sexually active. Which is a weird question to ask 12-year-olds, right? In this day and age, I don't know that that's so weird. When we were kids, that was kind of a weird question, but... Oh, when you were a kid. When I was a kid, like uh, back in the day when we had to wear a lemon on our belt. Yeah, that was the, that was the fashion at the time. Um, it was. Now, they found that like 70% of the kids in their district were having sex at age 12. And it really disturbed them. So you know what they did? They removed the question from the survey. Because that fixes it. If you don't know about it, then it's not a problem. Well, right. Because if that's the question that you find really disturbing, remove the question. That is exactly what Apple did here. That really is. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> analogy. We're not going to fix the actual problem with the operating system, but man, that one file that he used to infect the system, we'll just put a blacklist on that file. Heaven forbid he infects another file the exact same way. Oh, well, you know, if he does, though, it's an easy enough fix. Just blacklist it. <laughs> we, we're really happy to introduce OS X 10.9. Um, there's only four files that actually run now, so it's more of a command line uh, because everything else is blocked. 
It'll be codenamed The Blacklist. James Spader will replace Siri for the voice. I would so buy that. I would buy the crap out of that. <laughs> if James Spader replaced my the voice of my virtual assistant. That would be epic. It's like you have Ultron in your pocket. <laughs> it's like, And if anyone's watched The Blacklist, James Spader's character, Red Reddington, he has a story about everyone. So it'd be like, what's the traffic like going home? You know, I once went down to Bora Bora. Beautiful fishing down in Bora Bora. I met this wonderful little fisherman, Raul Raphael. Don't remember his name. Couldn't be bothered. Anyway, he, and it, he'd go on for 15 minutes before finally telling you something that kind of relates to what your traffic's going to look like. I think that was a pretty good Red Reddington. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. (laughs) Not good, but not bad. Oh, Apple, you so fail. (laughs) That's just embarrassing. That Um, that really is. I would expect a lot more than, uh, uh, than that from Apple. Even from Apple. Even from Apple, the guys who, like, created security by obscurity. Yeah. That's not even being obscure. That's being obtuse. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's just that's just ridiculous. And all you Apple fanboys out there should be ashamed. No. No, we won't say that. But no. I will tell you who should be ashamed. And it's Bernie Sanders' freaking presidential campaign. This guy, I... This isn't a political statement. This is a... What the crap are they thinking statement, okay? So over the Christmas break, during that news cycle where everything kind of got lost because everyone was out for Christmas, Bernie Sanders' campaign sued the Democratic National Convention, of which he's trying to obtain the nomination of. Seems like an odd move, right? Convention or committee? Committee, whatever, the DNC. Okay, carry on. Okay, so... They, whatever. Okay, that's his prerogative. Again, I guess I'm not running for president, so who am I to tell someone else what the, what to do? Well, I can tell you this: you probably shouldn't ask Wikipedia to take down information about you. Yeah, that's generally not a good idea, especially when the information they have up would actually help you. See, he has a whole bunch of different campaign slogans and buttons, and um, just. I want to say campaign campaigns, but that sounds stupid. Different things that he's pushing out there, little catchphrases that they want, and they all have it. This is this goes back to our our very first election. But and honestly, if we're being perfectly honest, some of them are kind of hilarious. I like the feel the burn one. Burn spelled B E R N. I think that's clever. That is clever. I like it. Okay. Well. Wikipedia wrote about these little buttons and these slogans and whatnot and had pictures on there because it's freaking Wikipedia. And they received a takedown notice, a DMCA takedown notice from the Bernie Sanders office saying you cannot do that. They're protected by copyright. Um, You know, if you don't take it down, we'll sue. Well, one, no, um, things like that aren't. Political logos aren't exactly protected by copyright law. So that's kind of a no right there. Second off, it's helping, actually. It's helping your campaign. Why would you publicly it's request advertising? It to be, yeah. Why would you? I mean, they weren't slandering it. 
And this isn't exactly like it was some low-level overzealous volunteer who put it in. This is the same law firm they used to sue the committee, the Democratic National Committee. And you're right, it is committee, not a conference. I'd like to see, like, Michael Dukakis or Walter Mondale or, I don't know, any of these failed candidates over the years go and, like, sue wikipedia for this oh well you've got my campaign information and and images of my campaign uh propaganda for lack of a better word up on your site i think you need to take it down because that's copyright i mean yeah it's it's a piece of history is what it is and it's just absurd that they would do they not know how the internet works well, considering his age and uh, his personal feelings on technology, I'm going to say that he doesn't have the first clue on he's how it works. He's young and hip, man. He's young and hip. Is he younger than Hillary? I don't know, I know if he's younger than anyone. I know she's pretty old. <laughs> Dang it, now I need to know. If I go to his Wikipedia page, will it <laughs> tell me there is nothing to see here move along? <laughs> Well, Wikipedia did take the logos down because they're not going to get into a full brawl with them. I mean, if he wants to take them down, it's his loss. And it really is his loss. But it they is. took it down anyway. So good okay. on them, I guess. He's he's 74. Okay, he's 74. Let's see how old Clinton is. If only there's a way you could quickly ask your computer. Uh, well, there is, but... I I use it with typing because we're recording a show. She's 68, so he's got a few years on her. Well, yeah, that's only, only chronologically. A few. The, the guy looks like he's just, he's like the Crypt Keeper. He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm just being mean now. Um, so this Let's is, see who else we can offend. Come on. Okay, okay. Um, well, we already got Apple users, so I feel this is kind of... Uh, well, this isn't even bad. Okay, we'll just we'll just hit it and then move on because it's not really that important. But Apple Watch Two production seems to be on track for a March announcement. And they're coming out with a front-facing camera, allegedly. That is the worst idea ever, and here's uh, why. <laughs> what are they thinking? Uh, okay, I want you to imagine, listeners out there, imagine looking at your watch. Okay, and then taking a picture of yourself with the watch. Do you know what you're going to look like? I'll give you a hint. Your chin will have a twin, and it's going to be huge, and everyone will be able to look up your nose to see your brain because people don't look at their watches head-on like you would take a picture. We're going to have so many booger selfies on Instagram now. Uh, Those girls who do the duck face selfies, their lips are going to be so huge you won't be able to see half their face. That's going to be awesome. I I think that's just an awful idea. I really do. I I really do. I But hey, it's Apple, so it's innovative. Yeah. Honestly, I I almost kind of wish that Apple could get into the wearable market the same way Google did in terms of Google Glass or Microsoft HoloLens. I is Google Glass really a thing, though? Because it was just a bunch of pretentious developers and hipsters that paid $1,500 for it, 
and then nothing really happened with it. Well, here's the thing, is that if anyone could make it hip and cool, it'd be Apple. That is true. If you get a whole bunch of Apple hipsters to wear thick-rimmed glasses that happen to have Siri embedded into them and Apple sensors that tie directly into all their different stuff, that would kickstart an industry. Because for better or for worse, if Apple makes something, everyone else follows suit. Now, as we're starting to see more and more, if other people make things, Apple is claiming they did it anyway, but that, that's neither here nor there. But I, I kind of wish we could see Apple do that. I'd be very interested to see how they do. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I'd like to see them, I guess, take a swing at some of the more obscure wearables, so to speak. Well, and, and and here's why I say that. People are probably listening to this going, wow, Zeke just got eaten by a pod person. I mean, he'd never say something like that. But so we have uh, Microsoft HoloLens, okay? I'm just going to throw some stuff out here because I don't know the actual details. But let's say it launches for uh, $500. And people look at it and go, oh, it's kind of bulky. It's kind of clunky. It's not really that intuitive. It's kind of a niche thing. I think I'm going to pass. Okay. Um, that's how it is now. Let's say that Apple comes out with wearable glasses instead for $700. So more than HoloLens. And again, I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ear. I'm just making it up, but this is how things work. They'd go, Oh, well it works actually really well. It's not that usable, but it works really well. It looks really sleek. Yeah. Okay. We're comfortable with this. Microsoft sees it and goes, Oh, well crap. Look how small they made theirs. Look how easy they made theirs to use. Yeah, ours is way more functional, but theirs is so much easier. We have to go back to the drawing board and make ours better. Yeah, competition is awesome. It's like when WWF bought WCW back in the 90s. Wrestling went downhill because there was no competition. Um, I'm going to take your word for that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I can't help but think, though, if Apple were to come out with something like this. Do you remember how we talked about the heart rate monitor and some of the other functionality of the Apple Watch not working on people whose skin were, was not white? Yeah. Are we going to run into issues like that with Google, with Apple Glass, I guess you could call it? It just or, doesn't see them. It, <laughs> I know a lot of people who that's like a dream come true, man. They buy every Apple product. Yeah, I mean, you think about that. They ha- they've already established problems with skin tone before. Are we going to see it with eye color, perhaps? Or, I don't know, maybe your eyebrows are too bushy. And Well, no, hipsters don't have bushy eyebrows. So that no, theirs is perfectly wax. In fact, the, uh, the Apple glasses would know. They would know if they were on a face who shouldn't be wearing an Apple product. <laughs> I'm sorry. Our That's eyebrow why sensor. putting the camera into the Apple Watch so that it knows. It's like, no, you're not supposed to have this. It's like, should I contact Apple Security? You know, is your mom around? Did you did while we're talking about Apple stuff? Did you see that video of Jeb Bush getting a call on his Apple Watch and being completely perplexed, wondering why the heck he was getting a phone call on his watch? No, I didn't <laughs> see that at all. You should go find it. It is awesome. That is that is hilarious. Um, speaking of other portable devices, GoPro, right? We know GoPros. GoPros are hilarious. They're awesome. They allow us to see things we normally wouldn't in ways we normally wouldn't. And honestly, of all the different innovations of the 2000s, I think GoPros are kind of up there with some of the most revolutionary. 
simply because they've launched an entire industry and they've really just plain worked. They've changed how we do things. Like I have a GoPro, a GoPro 4. Um, is it a 4? It's, no, it's a Hero LCD um, with the touchscreen on the back. Really nice, by the way. But um, I put that on and I'll go out fly fish walking in the river. It's fun. Yeah, It's a lot of fun. Well, it's like I remember, you know, Mythbusters are in their final season right now, season 14. And I remember when they first started, they only had like a couple cameras and they were destroying a camera almost every single episode because something would happen and they were expensive. They were so expensive and they honestly weren't very capable of things. And then I want to say it was around season four, maybe season five, they started switching to GoPros and they could afford three GoPros for every one of the other cameras they used to have, and they could put them everywhere, and they just worked. You know, it was almost like it was okay to put a GoPro on something that you were dropping from orbit, because even if, and I have to stress if, if it gets destroyed, replacing it is still well worth the shot you just got. You know, my, but here's the problem. I mean, just stressing this, there was a video that came out this week that I saw, like some Best Buy employees put their GoPro inside of a, a front-loading uh, washing machine. They used a magnet mount and hooked it to the back of the drum and put it through a demo cycle, so it spanned for three minutes, spun for three minutes at 1,200 RPM. It is the trippiest thing to watch, because from oh, its yeah. point of view, the drum is stationary and the world is spinning outside. Yeah, that's not something to watch if you get motion sickness. Um, it's something to watch if you want to see the Eye of Sauron suddenly spawn in front of you. It's really weird. <laughs> but the problem is, is that I personally believe they were too successful. Um, you can go anywhere and get any number of knockoffs that may not have the GoPro name and honestly may not have the GoPro build quality. But for, for instance, we bought my uh, stepson a personal um, sport cam. That came with all of its accessories. It's waterproof. It's shockproof. It's you know you can throw it against a wall. You can drop it thirty feet and it won't. It'll just bounce right back. It can strap to a helmet. It can strap to anything for like forty bucks for Christmas. And it has nearly all the features of the GoPro. You know the, the, the what was it the, the Hero Two. Okay. So not the newest stuff. You know, it doesn't have its own Wi-Fi. You can't connect to it that way. You have to pop out the SD card when you're done, and it doesn't have any onboard memory. But it's kind of like you could buy the GoPro, the genuine article, for a few hundred dollars, or you could buy a knockoff of what is essentially a disposable camera for a fraction of the price and get the same shots. And as a result, GoPro had to cut 7% of their workforce this week. They're having to downsize. Yeah, you know, I wonder, uh, you talk about the knockoffs, but I wonder, too, just how much is they can't do anything else. You know, technology can only go so far. We've now got, uh, I think they record 4K video on some of their models. Mm -hmm. And right now, that's like the ceiling. They're talking 8K and... You know, Not just that, but okay. So drones are taking off. No pun intended. Uh, and you can hook. No, a GoPro you should have to, intended that pun because that <laughs> I, was a good one. It was a pretty good one. Uh, but you can hook a 4K GoPro to a drone. And hey, that's that's not just a drone that is sold. But hey, that's a $500 GoPro. Congratulations, GoPro! You just sold a $500 camera. But that person doesn't need to buy more than one. 
It's like no, they've they oversaturated don't. their own market. Yeah, yeah, and and that's interesting. You know, I've I use mine on occasion. Like I said, I'm not one of these extreme people who are out skydiving and stuff because I'm. Let's face it, I'm old and fat, and that's not going to happen. But I do use it when I get the chance and when it's appropriate. But I don't need multiple. And, you know, maybe for whatever some people are doing, they do need multiple. But really, how many do you need? Yeah. I think GoPro needs to really expand their market. Can you imagine trail cams made by GoPro? Oh, that would be awesome. Infrared motion-activated trail cams. We could finally find Sasquatch. And he'd be in beautiful 4K, and he'd be like on a BMX bike and going off of a ramp. It would be beautiful because all GoPro videos are like that. Drinking um, a monster. Yeah, and listening to really cool music and yeah. He'd rack up a few million views easy. <laughs> I think if somebody got actual footage of a Sasquatch, forget about what it was doing. I think it would have more than a few million views. I think it'd be better if he was on a BMX bike. I'm just oh, saying. I'm, I'm sure it would. But then it would probably be a Jack Link's commercial. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Bigfoot motocross. I don't even know where to go next. You've jumped around in our notes so much. I just, I don't know. Um. Well, okay. Let's uh, let's jump through some easy ones here. First off, uh, a developer is quitting Bitcoin. Um, and people are going ape about this, saying, "Okay, is it the demise of Bitcoin?" Well, it could be. I mean, honestly, I think if Bitcoin is dying, it's doing so for more reasons than just a developer leaving. For one, how about the fact that Bitcoin is how old and the general population still has no clue what it is? You know, we've talked about it a lot on this show over the last few years. I still barely understand it. I don't even think I could have a conversation and really tell anybody how it fully works. Well, um, I am going to make some enemies here. And I apologize if you, dear listener, are one of the people I offend here. Because I don't mean to offend. I'm not saying this simply to offend, but the problem with Bitcoin is the same problem with Linux in general. Okay? And that is it's never going to gain widespread adoption as long as everyone keeps fighting or competing to say, "Hey, my version is the best version. Mine is better than you. I saw what you made." And I fixed everything you did wrong. And I have another one called this kind of Dogecoin, right? That was one. Or, you know, there's Bitcoin is not the only cryptocurrency out there. But as soon as it took off, everyone was like, well, I can make it better. And suddenly you had all these different versions, versions, not virgins. You had all these different versions of (laughs) cryptocurrency. You've probably got virgins as well that are doing the developing, trying to make it better. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I bring up the comparison to Linux is because that is exactly what happened to desktop Linux. And I have to stress that desktop Linux, um, it came, came out and then immediately everyone's like, well, I can make that better. And suddenly you had all these different variations and with all the infighting and competition, it never moved forward. It just languished. And that is what's happening with cryptocurrency. And in a weird way, this kind of circles back to what we've been talking about for weeks. I worry this is what's happening now with mobile payments. Yeah. I know Android Pay is really trying to get people to use it. Well, it'd it'd be a lot easier to use it if they'd let me use it. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. I know in December they were giving away like a $20 gift card to Best Buy 
for just using it. Go buy a pack of gum. And I saw today they're starting with um, every time you use it, you're entered to win anything from free music to a Chromecast, which is which is cool. Yeah. But I can't use it. Yeah. I'd use it if I could. Um, into some not real cool news. Well, uh, before before we move on, so going back to the Bitcoin thing, so do you think Bitcoin, I mean, a lot of people are saying, uh, Mike Hearn, who's this developer, he's been very vocal in the Bitcoin community about how they should do things. He's, he got out, he said Bitcoin has failed. The Bitcoin experiment has failed. Do you think that's the case? If anyone knows, it would be him, but I highly doubt he's the most impartial observer right now. Good point. That's a fair point. That's a statement someone makes when they're a little bit bitter about things. Yeah, I can I can see that. He, so, he would know, though. He would know. But if it's failed, he isn't really telling us why or how it's failed. He's just saying, eh, yeah, it's over, it's over, I'm, I'm out of here. It sounds a bit like uh, he's taking his ball and going home. He's rage quitting the community. It almost does seem like that, kind of like a rage quit. Oh, well, they're not allowing this and this to happen, and so I'm just going to sell it off and we're done. They're all just dumb and immature. I'm going home. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. We can move on now. Sorry. I I just wanted your thought on that. Um, So Comcast. (laughs) Comcast, Comcast, Comcast. Okay, so most people don't realize this, but by FCC rules, and it's been this way since, like, what, the 70s, that if you want to use your own equipment and it's compatible with the service, then you can. Now, the service doesn't have to uh, help you out, right? If you want to have your own cable box and the cable box is fully supported by the service, meaning that it's technically compatible and it's uh, it, it adheres to all FCC regulations, you're welcome to install it yourself. You can't call the cable company and demand they hook it up for you. They're under no obligation. But you are allowed to use your own equipment. Most people don't realize that. And it extends to a lot of other things. Um, cable modems is a big one. It's one we're going to be talking about now. Even cell phones. If you have a cell phone and it is technically compatible with a certain carrier and it is recognized by the FCC, it it adheres to their guidelines, you are fully authorized to use it on any carrier it's compatible with. Well, Comcast is saying they don't want that because they want people to get their cable modems through Comcast. Now, this is kind of a good angel, evil angel sort of thing. I I have them both on my shoulders right now, and I'm going to cover them both. The reason that this is bad is obviously because Comcast gets money for having you rent a modem from them or buy a modem from them, and they gain control. If they have the modem, they have control. They can remote in and see at any point what that modem's doing, what information it's passing, a whole bunch of stuff. None of it's very good. Okay, But on the good angel side, if Comcast is trying to, let's put it this way, everyone in an area is saying, oh my gosh, we never get the speeds we're promised, our speeds are always horrible, something's going on, Comcast, you guys suck. Uh, 
And Comcast is going, look, we've sent techs out. We keep trying to fix it. The lines are good. Our repeater's good. All of our hardware is good. And it gets traced back to one dope who's using a Doxis version one cable modem he bought off eBay in 2001. And it's that modem that's causing interference for everyone else or causing problems with Comcast service itself. The best way to ensure that doesn't happen is by making sure everyone's using their brand of, you know, we have to deal with this in IT all the time. So I'm not real sure how I feel about this, but I do know that the way Comcast is going about it certainly isn't get, making any friends. No, and what they're doing is a, a, a Comcast subscriber was browsing the internet. We got screenshots here of everything. And he tried to go to Wired.com, and a, uh, a page came up. Dear Comcast customer, your cable modem sucks. You need to get a new one. And so go to this website, and we will provide you one at a fee. Thank you very much. Now, obviously, that's a paraphrase. That would be awesome, though, if that's what they actually said. Oh, yeah. And, and the reasoning is exactly what I said. They're, they're trying to point out that Xfinity and Comcast are now providing Doxis 3.1 service. I, I get it. You don't know what that means. Basically, it means that it is compatible with the fastest standards, with all the newest protocols. It is the newest version of Internet delivery that an ISP can provide. If you don't have a Doxis 3.1 modem, you can't get it. It's just what it is. You can't, even if your cell provider has LTE service in your area, if you're using a phone that's from seven years ago, sorry, you're not getting LTE service because LTE didn't exist when your phone was made. It's just how it is. And that's what they're saying is it's a pop up saying, you're not getting great speed and you're not getting great speed because you're using an old cable modem. We would suggest a Doxis 3.1 modem. Here's a site that you can get some. I mm. now like you, I can see why they would do it. I can see from a financial standpoint, why Comcast would do it. Wouldn't it be more effective to send out an email or, are not necessarily more effective, but less rage-inducing to send out an email? <laughs> Honestly, I think it would be a better thing to do. And I realize that Comcast probably wouldn't want to do this all over the place. They could lose some serious money. But considering how much those modems cost compared to how much money people are paying for service, it would be a much better thing to say, you need a Doxis 3.1 modem. Click here to sign up and receive, free of charge, a Doxis 3.1 modem from Comcast. Think of how much goodwill that would create. Well, that's what a lot of I, a lot of TV providers had to do when the switchover happened for HGTV. Remember when they retired all the analog signals? Yeah, a I'm lot sorry. Of, did you just say HGTV? No, HDTV. We got a wormhole going on between us. Okay, because I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll go watch Fixer Upper. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the fixer-upper broke a lot of people's TVs. No, not really. But, I mean, they didn't like it, and they may have charged like an extra couple dollars for it in one month's bill. But it is what it is, and people got it, got new TV service, and they got over it. And that's yeah. what would happen if Comcast just took that route. Yeah, which, you know, and Comcast, I mean, let's be honest, they need all the goodwill they can get at this point. Because mm -hmm. they are not a beloved company. 
No, no, they are not. Um, okay, I've been kind of floating around it, but now it's time to get into it because it's a bad one. Um, a proxy, a network proxy or a proxy server. If you don't know what it is, the long and short of it is is that if you log into a proxy, it can make your network connection look like it's coming from anywhere in the world. I could use a proxy service to appear that I'm in Dubai right now. So if I go to a website, the website's going to say, oh, this guy's coming in from Dubai. Serve him up ads from Dubai or whatever. Why would you use this? Well, typically to hide your IP, hide your activities, or to gain access to things that you normally wouldn't based on your region. People very famously use this for Netflix, especially in the Australian area. And not just that area, but very famously they use it for that. <laughs> I thought they got Netflix down in Australia now. They do, but they don't have all the shows or all the movies that the rest of the world has. So if they want them, they have to still en- enact their VPN or enact their proxy and appear that they're coming in from Chicago instead of Adelaide. Well, Netflix has started cracking down on that uh, in what I'm calling a proxy war because I think it's clever. <laughs> and you're just sitting there looking so smug with yourself. Yeah, yeah. What's really funny is the the, uh, the screenshot that they sent in is from overseas. And I always forget that where we have a period in our numbers, they use a comma. So I'm like, plans from US $7,990 a month? What? No, the, the comma, they mean $8 a month, basically. Now, I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but it seems that right now they're just using their proxy detectors to throw up a pop-up that stops people from being able to access the things and say, hey, look, if you want this, you're going to have to pay this to get the additional service. Yeah. Is this a good idea? I know that they just launched Netflix Everywhere, which is their new global service initiative. So maybe this this is a non-issue. Well... The problem is is that it's a much more complex issue than anyone wants to bring up. Okay. First off, there's the censorship side. Okay? Areas that are typically very locked down that really China. Can, China, sure, the Middle East, different areas where they don't want people seeing everything Netflix has to offer. Yeah, they would use this to say this movie isn't allowed in this geographic region. Okay, that makes sense. But it also goes back into another area where, let's say, a movie studio makes a particular movie and they've never acquired rights for distribution in a certain country. Normally, a movie studio, they get a kickback. They get a uh, they get a, a credit or some money for every time a movie is viewed based on the distribution model for that country, for that geographic area. If it gets viewed by a country where they have no. You know, I doubt Paramount Pictures has a lot of uh, rights for Star Trek in Mongolia. I'm just saying. I don't know. Paramount and Star Trek, they're pretty big. Maybe. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> so if it goes to an area where they don't have rights, where they've never made an agreement, that means that that movie is getting viewed for free and no one's getting paid for it. Netflix isn't, the studio isn't, the actors aren't, no one is. So they're also trying to protect themselves that way. So there's the censorship side of it, sure. There's the overreach side of it. And then there's also the money side of it. And so it's a lot more complex than anyone wants to admit. Yeah, that that makes sense. I don't know. It's just a mess all around. Why can't we get all, all get along? I don't know. If only Rodney King had his dream realized. Well, with Netflix, I think we all thought we had our dream realized. 
You know, I still think that, though. But I'm in the United States where I don't have to worry about using a proxy to access Netflix. <laughs> I use BitTorrent. Anyway, into our favorites. Now, I, I actually have one thing here. Okay. Uh, one more thing. I forgot to put it in the notes before we um, go. Um, do you remember our buddy Tanner Carter, uh, who we advertised his his comic a few, I guess it was a couple years ago? Yeah. Well, he's back, and he's got a new comic. It's a web comic, and it's called Canon. It's a epic genre-hopping web comic created by Tanner Lee Carter and with art by Jamie D. Gailey. Uh, they're doing it a little bit weird. They're releasing, like, few pages a week starting on the 25th but they did just release a 10 page prologue this week yeah this week had to look at the date um and new page will be released every monday wednesday and friday at canoncomic.com i have seen the first 10 pages the artwork is awesome absolutely awesome send me a link and put that in the show notes i'm going to check that out so yeah go go check it out it is it is pretty sweet stuff um i Uh, really like it also, I, I managed to skip a headline that I put in there. Um, Intel's forcing users to update to Windows 10. If any of that sounds interesting to you, check the show notes. Uh, but into our favorites, and mine's a bit of a cop-out. Um, I will fully admit that. It's not a link you can go to. In fact, I doubt if you don't have this readily accessible, you will never be able to experience it. And I apologize for that. But I have a coworker who has a Tesla Model S. Today was his last day before he moves on to uh, to other opportunities, and I wish him the best of luck. And to commemorate it, he was giving everyone rides in his Tesla. Because many of us have never ridden in one. We've never sat in one. So today was my second time, but it was just as awesome as my first time. Uh, I got to take a ride along in a Tesla Model S. His is the base model from a few years ago, and I still had so much acceleration, my chest what felt like it was caving in. It was unbelievable speed. That is the car of my dreams. And if Okay, so this is why it's a favorite. If anyone within the sound of my voice has a friend who has a Tesla, a Tesla Model S, and has not asked for a ride in it, waste no time. You only live once. Get a ride in a Tesla and ask them to put the hammer down. Everyone needs a car like these. We all need Teslas because they are freaking awesome. I would actually really like one. I would really like to get one. Uh, My favorite this week is for all of you Batman fans and Lego fans. Lego has announced a 1966 Batman TV series Batcave. It is fully loaded. 2,500 plus pieces, nine minifigures, retail for just about $270. It's got the Batmobile. It's got it's got freaking everything. It has a section of the mansion up top. Yeah, it has the library in the mansion with the red phone and the bat poles. And oh my gosh, I saw this and I almost had a stroke because it's just too awesome. Plus, Julie Newmar version of Catwoman. Hello. It is awesome. And comes out uh, in March, I believe, I saw. It is it is probably the most amazing Lego set I have ever seen. And I need to have this. I, I love the, uh, under the features, there's an entire bullet point that says, also includes a cat. <laughs> Which, you know, why not? Why not? The, I mean, the Joker minifigure, 
is based on Cesar Romero with a mustache. It is great. <laughs> so great. All right. Well, that is our episode this week. Again, if you have anything you want to add or any feedback for us, let us know. 801-917-GEEK. Or give us a drop us an email, feedback at stolendroids.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus. Um, and until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.